absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back to the podcast page to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Scott's a little under the weather tonight. He's got a cold. I'm not sure if it's the coronavirus or if he's been yelling at the PGA Tour uh, media people and the coverage lately. But I got my man, D. Lou, part of the Leave the Pin team here with us tonight. And uh, we're going to bang it out. D. Lou, what's the good word? I uh, just got back from playing Torrey Pines. You know, it was nice. Shot about 78. Uh, this was on the simulator, by the way. So uh, ha- don't get you, uh, with <laughs> Yeah, you had me. You had me jealous there for uh, for a second. That's not bad, D. Lou. Seventy eight at Tory Pines, huh? Uh, I played pretty well. I mean, we played uh, up tees, but I uh, played all right. How was the wind? Uh, well, the great thing about uh, playing on a simulator is you can set it to zero. So. <laughs> So you had those benign summer conditions in uh, in San Diego. Let me tell you, we had some great conditions out there. Solid, solid. Um, so listen, let's jump right into it. Pebble Beach uh, just happened. Honestly, this tournament usually sucks. I mean, you, you you watch the AMs; they're hitting balls all over the place. Um, it was it was extremely prevalent that they were amateurs playing when on the 17th hole they showed an enormous shot tracer of every shot that was hit that day and there was like 70 shots on the green and then like two or three happened to be in the water which i never knew was in play on 17 then like three or four are into the houses on the right which when you look at a picture of it you're like i don't even know how in the world those are in play but the ams are out there they're hitting people they're hitting little kids with balls they're hitting babies in the head it is what it is um what'd you think of it this year like i was overly impressed with this tournament oh so was i and when i could pull myself away from the xfl that i was watching uh, i actually tuned back in right to see that graphic and that, are, uh, are you in vince mcmahon's back pocket right now i sure am he's got me good that new kickoff style is really really awesome hey <laughs> I, i'm hey i'm not gonna lie um there's something about that that i think I think they're on to something oh, I with, fully with, with the guys not being able to move. I mean, just those those downfield hits that occur, you know, like they really are taking on the advent of safety in football. And it's not that bad of a product. Well, and they're also making it kind of fun. I mean, I as a player would absolutely hate if they were trying to interview him on the sideline. But as a fan, I think it's cool. And, you know, you get to hear the call coming in from, you know, upstairs to the quarterback. What they're doing, I think it makes it makes the broadcast enjoyable to watch, even though, you know, you're going to watch subpar football to what you're you know normally going to watch. Uh, but, yeah, if anything, I mean, the league's probably 50 50 at this point, if it's going to work or not. But I would be shocked if at some point that style kickoff doesn't make it to the NFL. Yeah. You know, the USFL um all these leagues the arena leagues all everything that's kind of come before i know this is off topic but everything that's come before the nfl's always kind of tweaked and kind of made it their own and i think they use these secondary leagues as ways to kind of test things out like we're never going to change but well you know what if it works down there maybe it'll work for us absolutely they're going to use it as the major league baseball uses you know the minor league system for all the stuff that they want to try out but they don't want to try it out you know up in the big league yet that's how they right. got like pitch the pitch clock in in the major leagues. 
because they yeah. tried it out in, uh, in baseball. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Same same thing with the uh, with the automatic umpiring with uh, with robotic calling that they've done in like some short season class A and collegiate leagues. Exactly. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, I mean, get, get back to get back to Pebble for me. We had uh, we had Nick Taylor, Canada's own Nick Taylor, holding off Phil, um, who actually ended up finishing third. But really, Kevin Streelman made a little push at the end. What did you What did you think about Nick Taylor's performance? Yeah, I mean, to dominate like that, I think uh, Phil did that wire to wire back in two thousand five. I want to say. Uh, and uh, hasn't been done since, you know, I think to lead any golf tournament, let alone at that golf tournament, you know, wire to wire is pretty impressive. Uh, I thought, yeah, I'm, I mean, and Larry Fitzgerald and some of the amateurs, you know, it was definitely humbling on Sunday, but I think some of those guys played really well. And I didn't know Larry <clears throat> Fitzgerald, what, this was their second one in a row? I didn't know um, he was it's, a ball. It's second in the last three years. They won in okay. 18 as well. They didn't win last year. You know what's funny? You look at the leaderboard with the pros, uh, sorry, with the amateurs, and most of these guys were pro athletes in some other sport. And, you know, like if you and I were out at Pebble, we could probably have a decent round if we were playing just by ourselves. But to know that you're being broadcast to millions of people that – any mistake, like any duck hook you hit, any any uh, slice or or uh, shank that you hit is going to be shown on national TV and on the social media feeds of everyone worldwide. Like that's a little bit disconcerting. But these guys have been playing under pressure their entire lives. I even though it's a different avenue, it's a different venue. I really don't think it affects these these top athletes. You know, Steve Young was out there towards the top of the leaderboard. Obviously, Fitzgerald and Strillman as a team won it again. But I don't think that they are phased as much as a normal, you know, quote unquote amateur would be. Yeah, you're definitely right. And actually, Steve Young, I heard he was a 14 handicap. I was very much surprised by that. I can't believe that in his retirement, he's not playing more golf than uh, than to be a 14 handicap. Well, maybe his body's been so bruised by the NFL, he can't move that well. It probably takes like half a backswing. Oh, very true. That's probably that's probably good. I actually didn't see him do anything but putt. But yeah, I was no I was because that's that's, that. that's all they showed. They showed these amateurs blowing putts like thirty feet past the hole. They don't show any of the swings really, you know, which is fine by me. Um, I'll tell you what. On Saturday, which is the day that the coverage usually sucks for this tournament, because they're always showing the ams. They have these amateur interviews, and you get to see no golf. I actually watched on PGA Tour Live and got to see. Not only the guys at Pebble, but also Spyglass as well as Monterey Peninsula Country Club, which is fantastic because the the national coverage on CBS sucks and they only show Pebble. They might show one or two shots from things that previously happened, but the other two courses are sick in their own right and deserve that coverage. But, you know, obviously, look, Pebble is Pebble and even non-golf people know the course, so they tend to sway all their coverage towards Pebble Beach itself. Well, let's, let's be honest. It is a beautiful course, maybe one of the most beautiful ever. But you're right. And, I mean, you've been championing PGA Tour Live for you know, the length of the podcast's life now. So I think everybody knows that. And if you don't well, have- I Well, here's the deal. I champion it in that I love kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. You get a lot more caddy interaction and stuff like that. I'm going to tell you, the app sucks. It's the worst friggin' app in the world. It's slow to load. <laughs> It's stupid. That they paired true. it with 
NBC Sports Gold. I don't even know what the hell I even pay for anymore. If I pay for Sports Gold, if I pay for PGA Tour Live, it's 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 stupid. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be better. But as far as it beating network coverage, yes, I'll take it any day. Well, with Gold, you get the uh, English Premier League games on Sunday morning, so you can oh, check I'll out. I'll definitely that. be watching that as well, <laughs> and maybe some Bundesliga as well. That's right. <laughs> Hey, did you see uh, last week on the pod, I said to Scott, I said, hey, is this the week Jordan Spieth breaks out? He has his, you know, quote unquote, comeback because he's been close, according to insiders. And they've been saying that for a year. Uh, Jordan finishes T9. He shoots the lowest round of the day on Sunday, shot a 67 and chipped in from off the green on 18. Uh, D, that was a pretty gutsy performance by him. Yeah, I mean, we've all been guessing for the last year of this is the tournament that Jordan's going to come back or this one or this one or, you know, he's finally putting greater. You know, uh, yeah, he looked good. And, you know, he's been having the weekend woes as of late. Uh, he's been terrible on the weekend. And it was nice to see. I've always been a, a speed fan. I've always liked him since, uh, you know, seeing him first break onto the tour. So, you know, I'm happy for him. You don't really want to see anybody great like that kind of fall by the wayside as much as he has but it's only one tournament so you know t9 is great and he did shoot a, an amazing round in terrible conditions uh so i don't know we'll see uh, i'm encouraged though yeah and that's another good point you make uh sunday was actually pretty awesome uh with with the weather blowing out there and and of course they exaggerated on tv they're like oh it's getting kind of hard to stand out here now like no you know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not blowing 80 that. miles an hour you know but uh, but look, I mean, you know, as far as like us and casual golf fans, I mean, I think one of the things that really stands out, I mean, rounds that you remember are rounds where there is adversity. And to see a dude like Phil Mickelson, who is one of the greatest iron players and wedge players of all time, uh, airmail two greens from less than 120 yards. You know, in in two out of three two out of three holes, he airmails the greens, and then happens to get these amazing up and downs. Like that's you know the weather is bad out there. You know where Nick Taylor, who's hit almost every fairway all week, is blowing them left into the gallery. You know, uh, Mickelson was saved by a shot by these two women who were <laughs> walking down. <laughs> I think fifteen at one point, and you know it, it was awesome. Like I love to see the pros struggle a bit i don't like it when it's unfair but give me a little adversity give me a little bit of uh maybe some rain some wind uh make make the greens hard make them run the fairways like i'll take that any day over this bomb and gouge crap where the ball sits exactly where it lands on a green yeah, I mean, it, I think it's honestly it was the perfect tournament from that standpoint because you did get a lot of the did get a lot of good golf. You know, you don't want to tune in and see, you know, crappy golf the entire time, but you do want to see these guys challenge. I think it's perfect, especially on a Sunday, which makes it, you know, where as if it was a regular Sunday, Nick Taylor would have probably run away with it. Phil would have probably, you know, been around him, but you know, he had three or four shots most of the day, but you know, even at the end, I even texted you at the end and Strillman was coming hard and he was playing great. So when the conditions are like that, I think it makes it, you know, obviously more competitive on the last day, which is, I think, what we all kind of want. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it makes for a great tournament. And if you look at, at Nick Taylor's scorecard, I mean, he, it's kind of like how Brooks won the PGA last year after that first round. Like, he shot a 63 in that first round, and no one ever got close. His scores did increase every day. He went 63, 66, 69, 70. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Phil shooting a friggin' 74 and Jason Day shooting a 75, um, you know, maybe the tournament is a little bit closer. And I always kind of wonder with a dude like Nick Taylor's won before. Okay, I get that. But you always wonder with a, a young, I don't want to say inexperienced, but a less experienced guy than a Phil. If you start seeing those names, you see Phil, you see Jason Day, these major winners, you see Kevin Streelman, um, you know, a grinder out there that what if Phil shot a 69? What if he shot a 70? You know, would have Nick, would Nick Taylor have w- answered or would he have collapsed? And we never got that point because, you know, in the end he won by four. So he did kind of run away with it, but it's always interesting to me to see how guys react, you know, because most guys will tell you, well, look, it's just another tournament. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be in that position again in my career, but with the way the PGA Tour is and how great these players are, like you, you never know if you're ever going to have that shot again. You know, to get to that level and be in the lead. Yeah, and I definitely am on the train of thought that Phil lost the tournament rather than you know Nick Taylor won it. I think if Phil goes out and plays around a golf that he is supposed to, it puts a ton of pressure on a guy who has now led for, you know, probably. You know, obviously 54 holes, but probably way more than that at that point uh, in the round. So, you know, the, all the pressure falls on to Nick Taylor then because he's led for so long. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Phil, Phil airmailed two greens, but then he also came up short on a bunch. It felt like and, you know, when the win is that when is that heavy, it is it is tough probably to be able to pick a club always. Uh, but that's why they get paid the big bucks and we get to guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you look at Phil's scorecard, you go 68, 64, 67, and then the big blow up to 74. Um, you know, if he throws another 69 in there, I mean, we're we're tied, you know. But 69 is a big ask when the lowest round of the day was Spieth with 67. There were a ton of guys in the 70s um on sunday which proved you know just how hard the tournament was i do want to mention that uh i want to give scott credit scott picked max homa last week who finished t14 i picked Cheston hadley to win he finished t18 they finished one stroke apart uh homa at six under and uh the slim man bojangles own Cheston hadley at five under so we we did well um well, I guess well enough. We were 14 strokes out of the lead, but it's whatever. <laughs> <you know? laughs> what the hell are you going to do? At least they finished top 20. There you um, go. It is what it is. So uh, you and I were talking a little bit off air. You mentioned the XFL in the beginning. I thought that was funny because the PGA Tour responded to the uh, allegations that the Premier Golf League might actually take hold. Now, again, this Premier Golf League is a thought in the ether. It's nothing that's tangible. Uh, Nothing's been set up. No one has a game plan, at least that they've mentioned to the media as of late. But Jay Monahan basically says, look, if this Premier Golf League comes out and you want to play on it, then you will not play on the PGA Tour, which to me, I guess my thought process was that this thing was just a thought. Okay, it wasn't real. 
But if Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the biggest golf association in the world, the biggest golf tour in the world, needs to come out and publicly say that, well, maybe this thing has more legs than we thought. Yeah, and to me, it actually shows a little bit of weakness. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I I remember uh, the clip that you're referring to. I'm not sure if he was asked about it or if he came out and said anything about it. Uh, but either way, I kind of think that it shows a little bit of weakness and maybe a little, you know, scared of what possibly could happen. Uh, yeah, well, but honestly, he, uh... no, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, for me, I, I think it would be awesome. I mean, if you're you're going to throw these purses out there and shrink the fields and, you know, I think uh, I think it could be great for great for golf. So. Basically, what happened was Monahan sent an email out to everybody that has a PGA Tour card. And in it, he basically says that the PGA Tour will take whatever steps necessary to keep this competitor, Premier Golf League, from launching, including adding to its regulations if necessary. Um, so obviously, adding to regulations would be, you know, the terms of if you play for the PGA Tour, you play for the PGA Tour. You know, what differs from these guys is they're all independent contractors, right? So they're not they're not owned by a team like the NFL or Major League Baseball, the NBA. And these guys can kind of come and go as they please. And we see that with the European Tour. You know, Phil Bryson went over there last week and made two, three million bucks just for showing up in addition to whatever they earned. So these guys, and, and this is why I think golf is the fairest of all professional sports. These guys make what they actually earn based upon their play, right? You're not a rookie coming out of college or coming out of Q school, and the PJ Tour says, wow, we're going to give you a five-year, $25 million contract. doesn't happen. I mean, it's not, it's not real. It's not golf. You earn based on your winnings based on your standings in the year. So if you don't win, if you don't finish high, you don't make money. And if you don't make money, you don't keep your card. Uh, it, it's it's the most democratic way out there. But um, to me, this screams of, of Monaghan maybe being a little bit scared of all this Middle Eastern and Korean and Japanese money. Yeah, I think it definitely screams to me scared. And, uh, you know, you how can you fall... How can you fault guys like, you know, Phil and Bryson for going overseas and picking up two mil with just stepping on the course? Literally, they don't even have to do anything. And, you know, they still will because they still want to make more money. But and what if the Premier Golf League, what if what if they do the same thing? What if Tiger Woods is getting an appearance fee of, you know, two mil and then, you know, there's a ten million dollar purse out there? You know, who is going to say no to that? Even Tiger Woods that has more money than God. You know, yeah, I don't, I I don't see them saying no to that. Yeah, I think the thing is, too, when you get guys like take Phil, for example, like this week may have showed us that maybe Phil can't close it anymore. Like maybe he just doesn't have the gas in the tank. He's going to be 50. Maybe Phil will always be able to contend till he's like 53, 54, but maybe he can't win anymore. OK, so a competitor like Phil goes out and says, you know what? It sucks, but I'm going to try my hardest. But then the Premier Golf League comes along and they say, hey, Phil. You're a big name. Everyone loves you. Everyone knows you. So instead of toiling around and traveling around the U.S. to make 60, 70 grand a tournament, 
we're going to make you one of these player captains or player owners of a team with this team concept they're talking about in the Premier Golf League. And we're going to give you 10 mil a year. And then we'll still let you play in these 48 man fields in order to make, you know, like you said, above and beyond that 10 mil a year. I mean, I think you'd have to be crazy to turn down guaranteed money as a golfer because these guys have gone their entire careers and their entire lives chasing that dollar, right? Earning based upon how they finish. And to be able to sit back and be like, hey, I'm getting 10 mil or I'm getting 15 mil just to be the the leader of this team and just to kind of give my name and my face to this organization, awesome. I mean, who wouldn't do it? You'd do it. I would do it. Oh, for sure. And to me, I think that's the one thing that, you know, golf is missing is more team golf. Uh, so if that is part of it, I think that's great. And also I think it takes it, it takes golf, you know, what golf has become is super, super buddy, buddy uh, with, you know, Ricky and all those guys. And maybe it gets a little bit more of a rivalry going. If you get, you know, a bunch of, bunch of the best players in the world to be the, these quote unquote team captains, you know, maybe it brings a little of that Tiger Phil feel back to uh, back to golf. Yeah, you know, there's no Kepka says it all the time. There's no rivalries in golf. Like I don't have rivals because I'm playing fields of 148 guys, 156 guys. And you're right. Maybe having a team, like imagine a team of Ricky, Jordan, uh, Justin Thomas, and let's say Alexander Shoffley. Right. Guys all around the same age, all kind of the same demographic and stuff. I mean, how fun would that be for them to kind of bond together and maybe trash talk a team of like Gary Woodland and Bryson and, you know, and I don't I don't know, uh, Kuchar and uh, and and some other hated person, J.B. Slow. You know, what I mean, some, somebody like that. I mean, it, would, I, it, it, yeah. it might be interesting. Oh, it'd be it would be awesome for the game. It would be incredible. Part of me kind of wonders, though, is it like an XFL where people will tune in for the first week or two, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, oh, your XFL team's on. Yeah, that that's cool, but so is you know the final round of this or that, or oh, I got a show on DVR. I mean, I've decided that in order to honor my St. Louis Cardinals, that I'm going to become a St. Louis Battlehawks fan. This is my team, Dan, okay? And uh, I was very, very proud because the Battlehawks were the only away team to win yesterday, and they beat some other team. um, Dallas. Dallas. They beat your team. Is your team Dallas? Of course it has to be. Okay, so the Dallas Roughnecks, is that it? No, they're, uh, I think, Renegades. Okay. So so my team, the St. Louis Battlehawks, beat your Dallas Renegades. Now, we can talk about this and uh, have fun with it. But look, let's be honest. I'll never go out and buy a St. Louis Battlehawks apparel. Uh, You will never go to a Dallas Renegades game. You know what I mean? But in the real world, I'll buy Jet stuff. You'll buy Cowboy stuff. You know, when the Jets beat the Cowboys again, like they did this year, you know, I'll trash talk you. But it's like, that's not going to happen in the XFL. You know what I mean? So I wonder, are real PGA Tour fans going to follow this league? And, and part of me says yes, because it's not teams. Like, you like certain guys. Or you like 
a certain level of play. And if these tournaments are going to attract the top 48 guys in the world, well, that's a pretty damn good level of play. All right. Well, so what is the one thing that the NFL has over the XFL? Uh, in terms, I mean, well, it, uh, it's I, I can tell there's tons. Brandon right, so Wright's talent. talent. Um, but that's the, the reason why we, we tune into the NFL is because of the talent. And that's the reason why we won't continually tune into the XFL. Because one, we got to learn all the players and we know them because they, you know, fizzled out on an NFL team. I thought it was funny under each player's name. It had a caption of not where they went to college, but how many years they played in the NFL or whatever. I'm going to tell you, I was, I was honestly surprised with how many guys had played how many years in the NFL that honestly blew me away because I didn't think it it was, I didn't, first off, I didn't think the level of competition would be as good as it was. It was definitely like a, a, a level above the AAF, you know, but I can, can kind of compare it to like triple a baseball. That's what I think yes. it looked like. Yeah, and that's about what it is. But right. the difference between the Premier Golf League and the PGA Tour is it's all the same players. So you're not having – you're actually getting a step up in competition rather than a step down. And right. I think that's that's why it can't be compared to the XFL just because of that. Because you're actually getting – if you're going to shrink the fields, put a bigger purse out there, you're going to get the best of the best of the best. Whereas – you know, some PGA Tour events, you know, Tiger's not playing in 90% of them. You know, you got Phil only playing in a few. Brooks hasn't played in a bunch of them. You know, you don't get the best guys every week, whereas in these ones, you're going to get the best guys every single time. Yeah, that's a great point. And and I know you and I were looking at the uh, the OWGR, which congrats to Rory. He just overtook Brooks as number one player in the world. Not sure if I agree with that, with him not playing that week, but, you know, the stats are what the stats are. But right. you look, and I think, what do we say? There was 19 or 20 guys in the top 50 that were from the U.S. And that kind of surprised us because we thought, well, I mean, hell, dude, it would be three-quarters of the guys are from the U.S. But when you look at the guys that live in the U.S., now you're looking at like 40 out of the top 50. And I know these guys are well-off and well-to-do, but can, can, their, can their financial backing um, – handle traveling to 18 tournaments around the globe i'm gonna assume yes i'm gonna assume sponsors will pay and i'm gonna assume if these tournaments were able to get the top 50 or top 48 guys each week or how whatever every two weeks that they hold a tournament um it's gonna be very difficult for the pga tour to compete with that when the pga tour is losing the top 48 guys to this tournament every other week. Yeah, I think it is, it's possible that it's impossible for them to compete. If it's done right and it's scheduled out right and they use the players' opinions and all of that, I think that it's got way better of a shot to succeed rather than fail. And I don't know if the PGA Tour's restrictions are going to help the PGA Tour or hurt them. I think in the long run, it might actually hurt them if they put those restrictions in. Yeah, the the PGA Tour has a long-running history of trying to silence players and trying to kind of keep things under wraps and hold up this ideal that our players are just good, wholesome people. Now, we've seen in the last 10 years that that is far from the case. And if you know the inside world of golf, golf attracts some very odd people um, it attracts some uh, some very habitual p- 
people and um, addictive personality people. And sometimes that is a positive for the game, but in their outside life, it kind of takes over. And we've seen that from top guys all the way down to, you know, lower tier guys. Um, And all you got to do is spend a few hours or a few days at tournaments around the range. And you'll kind of see what I'm talking about without giving away anyone's, you know, personal information. Um, but you know, to me, it's one of those things with the game, uh, that I'm just, I'm not sure if the PJ tour is built upon star power or if it's built upon good play, because in my opinion, the PGA Tour does an awful job in building up players. Like, it sucks. You only know, like, the top 10 guys. And there are so many people on tour, they could be putting some backing, some media backing behind that could be stars. And if this league is going to do that and is going to promote these guys, and it'll be easier for them to do it because there's less guys to promote, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, doomsday scenario, we might be seeing the end of the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of a double-edged sword. Does the PGA promote their stars? No, I don't think so. But the reason why you watch the PGA more often than not, you know, if you're not like a super hardcore golf fan, is for the stars. Like if Tiger plays in, in a tournament on the PGA Tour, it probably gets double the ratings on TV rather than when he doesn't. Oh, easily. I think it's about the stars, but yes, I think you're right. The PGA Tour does not really promote them as they probably should. So yes, if this if this league does that, which I would assume that they probably will, because it's the one thing missing from the PGA Tour. I uh, yeah, I I think that uh, I think that's the way to go, and I think that's probably what they would do. Well, here's here's a great example. Young guy, you know. Um, well-built, handsome guy, Nick Taylor wins, right? Are you going to hear anything about Nick Taylor after today? No, probably not. But, He's right. a Canadian. That's about all that you really knew about him from the tournament. <laughs> yeah. His favorite golf course is Pebble. Uh, you found out two or three other facts about him, and unless he's in contention next week, you're not going to hear any of that stuff ever again. Right, and that's the thing. Like The dude won on the PGA Tour, like the epitome of any golfer. Like maybe the only thing above this is winning a major. Okay. But the dude won on the PJ tour and you're never going to hear about him again, ever. He's he not going to get more. Let's he, be honest. Yeah. He dominated. <laughs> dominated Phil, dominated Jason day. I mean, you look at the names in the leaderboard and it was an unreal performance on a very difficult day on one of the PGA tours, premier golf courses. And you will hear nothing of Nick Taylor after today. Because now all of a sudden we'll just start talking about you know players in L.A. and the Riv again, and Tiger's going to be at the Riv- at Riviera, and look at all these guys here, and the dude literally just won a million plus and won a PGA Tour event. Like that's a problem with PGA Tour media. Now, but is that is that a problem with the media? Or is that a problem with the consumer? Because only hardcore golf fans probably care about Nick Taylor. The other fifty percent of the golf fans who you know, only care about the top guys, Ricky, Phil, Tiger, Brooks. That's what the media is, you know, because you'll read the stuff about Brooks and Tiger, but you also read the stuff about Nick Taylor. The other people are going to skim right over that and just read the stuff about Tiger. You know? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great point, but if the PJ tour did more, 
to promote it and put more out there, wouldn't the consumer then have more opportunities to learn about these guys? You know, it, like you said, it's it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But you know, we, we can't. I mean, we could sit here and bash the PGA Tour forever, but they have been uh, <clears throat> pretty decent to us. So uh, you know, we won't ask them. Uh, we won't ask them right now. You know, the PGA Tour. We're kidding. We're kidding only. Trust me. We're not bashing. We're just critiquing. That's all. That's all. Um, what other news we got? We got Ernie L saying that he's not going to captain the International Presidents Cup team again. I, I thought he did a great job. I mean, if it wasn't for the biggest singles comeback in Presidents Cup history, the international team wins for only the second time ever. I thought a lot of guys rallied around him. You got any thoughts about that? Do you even care who captains the international team? Uh, well, if it wasn't for uh, JT loving himself, himself, uh, you know, maybe it'd been different for Big Ernie. But uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to see him come back. Uh, that was the best Ryder Cup in my memory, uh, or uh, not Ryder Cup, uh, Presidents Cup in my memory. And uh, yeah, I would have loved to see him come back. Uh, I don't know who is going to step into that role and do a better job than he did. And it looked like he really enjoyed it. So that's why I'm kind of kind of stumped on why he's stepping away. But he did. I saw the one quote where he said he got one shot at it and, uh, you know, it didn't pan out. So I guess they're going to hand the baton to somebody else. Yeah, I don't I'm, I'm wondering if that's like maybe, you know, like you, you hear about the Ryder Cup captains and they're like, look, I've worked on this for two years, you know, and then the week flies by and I'm like, I can't believe I did all that work for two years. I'm assuming the President's Cup is not as intense. It is a PGA Tour sanctioned event. I know Ernie hated that. He's very adamant about the fact <laughs> that the international team should do their own damn thing, pick it their own way, and the U.S. team can do whatever they want based on PGA Tour sanctions. And I know he didn't like that. Um, was that the the catalyst for him never wanting to do it again? I'm not sure. Maybe he's at the point in his life where, you know, hey, I, I've done it. I can check that off the list. I've done everything else. Uh, I'm kind of done. You know, like let let someone else do it at this point. Yeah, that might definitely be the uh, the reason. Uh, but I mean, who do you think uh, who do you think is next in line? Um, well, there, there's a lot of talk about Mike Weir doing it for the internationals because Canada might be because so next year they're at Quail Hollow, okay, in Charlotte. Right. Um, so there's been talk that it might be Mike Weir. And then they would then give it to him again because the next year the internationals host and there's been a lot of talk that Canada might get it. Um, I'm fine with that, you know, Masters champ, um, good old lefty himself. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's not too many. I mean, I'm I'm saying this now. I could probably find a list and find eight or ten guys that are worthy. But off the top of my head, there's not too many internationals at that age range between what would you say between like 40 and 55 is probably what they're looking for age wise would is that fair yeah i think that's fair and you know I'm no problem with mike weir yeah guys that are kind of past their prime but still can make a connection with guys you don't want a guy that's like 65 that hasn't played on tour in 20 years you know you, you want guys that are kind of close to the players now um but yeah i got no problem with mike weir um it's going to be interesting in the future, 10, 15 years from now, with guys like um, Hideki, guys like um, 
Shugo Imahara, guys that don't speak English as their main language, if guys like that will ever get a president's captaincy? Uh, I think it would be the same thing as, as Ernie. If it's in you know a place that they know uh, in their country, I think it's way more of a possibility rather than not. And I think that's a good point with Mike Weir is, you know, if it's going to be in Canada the following year, you go back to back with him. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the only way that that happens. And now the U.S. team is talking again about maybe Stricker and stuff. Um, I mean, I, you know, the Internet here. Here's the deal. The President's Cup is like the redheaded stepchild of the Riders Cup. Right. No one cared about it until this year because Tiger was the captain. It was close, and it was played at an amazing course at Royal Melbourne. Um, if you could get those things together again, what I would like to see, the, the President Cup needs its own identity. Okay, that's the biggest thing. So to play the same way that the Ryder Cup does is, is stupid. They should have different formats. I mean, even think crazy outside the box of maybe even three-man teams here or there for a day or something like that. But it needs its own identity. Uh, what I would love to see with the captains is you have a captain that wins. That guy is the captain again until they lose. So <laughs> if you're a Tiger, like, look, here's the deal, dude. If you win this year in two years, you're the captain again. And if you win in two years, you're the captain again. And then do it like Ernie said, where if you lose, you're automatically out. I think that would be a neat twist on it. All right, but that means whoever the Americans would be would be in it forever. Well, Freddie Couples would probably still be our captain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I like the I like the premise behind it, and I do think that it doesn't need its own identity. Uh, the format could definitely be tweaked. Uh, yeah, I think you got to end with singles on Sunday. I think that's definitely the way to do it. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think you do some sort of you know three man team. Do something that sets you up part that could be more fun than you know just your typical formats and i don't know exactly what that is but you know something that something that the router cup doesn't have there's something that nothing else has that gives it you know a little spin of its own yeah i i would even think like i obviously i love friday uh sunday single excuse me but i think it would be neat where if you played like two different people and you played one guy for nine holes and then you played a different guy for nine holes if there was a way to figure that out you know like I played you, but then on the next nine holes, like I play the guy that you played first or something like that, you know, just to, again, just to change things up because you, you can do it that way. The Ryder Cup has the history. The Ryder Cup is something you don't want to mess with. But I mean, let's be honest. We only have what, the 12th, 13th? Is this, is this going to be the 14th President's Cup coming up next year or two years from now? You know? Right. Go, go crazy with it. What's the big deal? Yeah. And, I mean, make Tiger the captain again because it makes it more fun to watch. Oh, for sure. Playing captain, no less. <laughs> oh, yes. That's not even a question. Or, you, hey, here's a great idea. On Sunday singles, if you win, you're automatically on the team for the next year. Ah, there you go. See, now you're getting creative. Yep. And if you lose, see, and then here's the deal. Like, the PGA Tour is so stupid. They won't, they won't call me, you know, but in 10 <laughs> years from now, in 10 years, we're going to see – Jay Monahan or his successor talk about that. And then we'll That's look right. back to this day on, you know, February 10th, 2020, that I made that idea. That's how that's how the world works. And then I call it the leave the pin rule. 
Yeah, they should. They should. Although that naming might be a little confusing. We might have to come up with something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, real quick, and, and I want to talk to you about this. I guess before we get out of here, we can kind of wrap up with this real quick. Um, USGA is obviously talking about dis- distance control and railing things back and kind of reining things in. Um, do you think if that is done and they do – have a ball that goes less if they do put restrictions on clubs do you think it might save some guys careers or prolong players careers because they won't have to swing out of their shoes the way they are now in order to increase club head speed uh yes i fully think that it would save some careers uh i'm not sure if i'm on board with that thought process because i don't see why you want to really tamper down the technology uh you know i think it's helped make golf great so why do you want to kind of hold these companies back from what they're trying to do uh but yes i mean think about like a guy like freddie couples if he didn't have to why does freddie couples always play well at the masters first couple days because he knows the course so well you know these guys have been playing the courses for 20 years 30 years some of them so you put these guys out on the course and and there's no distance length or anything like that they're going to know the course way better than you know some guy in his second time there so i think between the course knowledge and not having to bomb it all the time uh yeah i think it would lengthen these guys careers by a considerable amount one of the things that just strikes me about this whole proposal is that i talked about it last week on the pod when augusta went and tiger proofed the Masters tournament. Well, all it did was give Tiger more an advantage to win because he was so long. If you roll things back, the longest players are still the longest players. And all you're doing is taking away distance from the people at the short end of the stick, the guys that are ranked, you know, 150 to to 200 on tour and driving distance. So I understand the economical factors, uh, the water usage, land usage, fertilizer, chemicals, fungicides, all that stuff. I get all that. But if you're talking about the top guys on tour, which is what this is geared towards, I mean, you know, you and I are going to play the same balls. We're going to use the same drivers, whether they're conforming or not, you know, because there's not, and there's not a, a governing body that, that oversees us. Um, the DJ still going to outdrive people like Phil's right. still going to outdrive people. I, I, I just, I don't understand the logic in that aspect. The longest guys are still going to be the longest guys. They're just going to be shorter overall. You want to hear my conspiracy theory? Yeah, I, I, I would love to. What but if? I got my tinfoil hat on right now. All right, so how old is Tiger? Tiger's 44. Right. Three years older than me. Now, Tiger Woods has only got a few more years of Excellent golf in front of him. I think we can all agree. Yeah, let's let's what? say let's say five years. Realistically, five years. If Phil's playing this well now, let's let's put Tiger at five years because Phil Phil's body is in better golf condition than Tiger's is with all the damage he's done to it. What if everybody knows that Tiger, you know, only has this much time left, and they're trying to lengthen his career by making rules because they know how important he is to golf. I love that. I love that. It's then I say every tor- every tournament should be at Augusta. Every tournament should be <laughs> um, at Akron, the Firestone, and every other tournament should be at Bay Hill. 
I'm fine with there that. You <laughs> there you go. All right. It's not the craziest thing ever. It's not. And when that happens in 10 years, we'll look back to February 10th, 2020. <laughs> and we were right yet again. Uh, um, all right, D. Lou, anything else for the good of the order? Uh, nope, I don't think so. Uh, you getting excited for uh, your upcoming trip? I'm getting excited. I'm getting uh, excited. Very good. I wish I was joining you, but uh, yeah. the 30th birthday calls. Yeah, well, you're aging, you know, and we need to celebrate that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying.